welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the, the Blue, Blue and, and White, White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey everyone, it is Michigan week, uh, the khakis and cleats bowl. And it's also Thanksgiving week, uh, so we're here coming to you with a little bit of a look ahead, uh, the Penn State versus Michigan game. Normally, it's the biggest game of the year or one of, and and now we're uh, it's really going to be a fight for last place this year. Unprecedented season, uh, an interesting game, and, and for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> but before we get into that, I wanted to say to my brother, Tom, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, dude. So it's a COVID a Thanksgiving this year. Lot to be thankful for. Lot to be thankful yeah. for. It's funny how the the times of of difficulty um, actually can be some of the most meaningful times to to think about what you're thankful for. Um, but it's also going to be a different kind of Thanksgiving celebration this year. Um, our family, we were at one point uh, planning to all get together. Our extended family. Uh, I'm the oldest of four. Tom's the youngest of that same four. Um, you know, and, and then there's and, nine kids between the three yeah, of my brother and sisters. Yeah, um, all the the of our parents' grandkids are. You know, it's a big group when we get together, and it looked like we we're all going to be able to get together over Thanksgiving before. Um, this recent COVID spike, uh, you put an end to those plans. We're all going to be separate this year, um, but it's a great time. Uh, Thanksgiving, definitely one of my favorite uh, holidays, uh, in large part due to the food uh, that is uh, part of the festivities. And Tom, I'm just wondering, you know, what's what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? I like to make a plate with all of the things that are out there. I mean, we're talking like Brussels sprouts, green beans, sweet potatoes, uh, mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, the turkey, whatever else is out there. Put it all in one big plate, slather some gravy on a lot of it, and uh, it's probably a roll or two, completely buttered, warm. And um, and then I put uh, cranberry sauce over everything, all of it. Wow. Every last bit. That's that, like a little bit of that tart flavor to accompany the savoriness a little sweet little tart so do you like savory. those um do you like those uh sandwiches from cipriati's oh dude that... love <laughs> love i could eat That's basically eat what you've described those. yeah give me that <laughs> thanksgiving dinner hoagie <laughs> nice and and really the the i don't think that they do this but start making the hoagie out of stuffing out of stuffing? Yeah. Give me a stuffing hoagie to really complete, you know, wow. the, you know, how, the, all the you, flavors of Thanksgiving. How do you hold it together? How does it not like, I attempted this apart? last year <laughs> oh with a gosh. waffle maker and <laughs> you serious? stuffing. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, I tried to make like a sandwich, a waffle sandwich with a stuffing. And? I mean, I loved it. <laughs> did it <laughs> Nobody did it hold else? together? Did it hold together? Uh, yeah, it held together enough. It was good. I liked it. I'm not a hard to please at all. Uh, it's I don't complain about food too much. You you put slop on my plate and I'll eat it. I'm I'm sure. I mean <laughs> well, I'm a, it... I'm a through hiker. You know we yeah we yeah eat crap yeah true. all the time. And then when we get to town, we eat everything under the sun. So like you know our palate doesn't care about quality. It just wants quantity. Is there something that like if it wasn't on the table for Thanksgiving, it would not feel like Thanksgiving or 
conversely, is there something that like if you're going to someone's Thanksgiving, you feel like, oh, I want to bring this because I, I well, like to have it in this particular way. I mean, I can't. The the staples are all always there, and I those are required. You know, turkey, gravy, stuffing, um, you know, mashed potatoes, uh, what have you. you know, all the other stuff. It's like whatever you decide to make uh, in addition to those things. That's fine. I'll enjoy it. But but what really irks me about when people are preparing Thanksgiving dinner is when they don't make enough of something, enough of the mashed potatoes. Like we have a big family. So like things can run out. And I'm, if I can't get seconds of like mashed potatoes and gravy, I will be disappointed. Sadly. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. I think definitely having uh, enough food for Thanksgiving is really important. Um, you know, it's, it's which is always it's hard to gauge with the larger a crowd you have. Totally. So that's that's a big deal. I one year I got a turkey that was so big it nearly didn't fit in my oven. Like yeah, because like I didn't want to run out. <laughs> yeah. You well, know? how big? How how many pounds was that turkey? Do I don't remember? honestly remember. No, well, I, I bought I, a twenty-one pound turkey, twenty-one and a half pound turkey for this year, and we're just doing me, my girlfriend, and mom and dad. So for the four of you, you yeah, got a leftovers, baby, <laughs> leftovers. Oh well, my I, gosh! I, we uh we got it on our giant points, like it was a free turkey. Wow, bonus. Yeah. Right. So for for me, um, I've become a little bit of a of a turkey connoisseur. Uh, it's it's become sort of, and, and meat in general. You were the been culinary like, uh, creator in your household. Well, we share the responsibilities. I I tend to like put a little. It's it's like a creative outlet for me. Uh, I, right. So I in particular when it comes to meats, uh, that's kind of my my territory. So I've I've been doing the turkey for for a number of years, um, and so for me, getting that like the the real trick is how do you get like the perfectly browned crispy skin, skin. Uh, the really juicy white meat, and the succulent dark meat. It's that's a that's a real interesting challenge. Like if you don't care about anybody the can make a turkey, the meat, you just sucks. throw it in there and you know, cook it for three or four hours or five hours, whatever it is, and pull it out and you're done. So you've but been like, perfecting this is what I've you're I've been working to say. on it. I yeah. a couple of different techniques I've tried over the years. But um but the other one for me is the stuffing, which I think, you know, I think for most of my life growing up it was sort of the the stovetop stuffing. Uh, you know, which is fine. It's passable. It definitely like has that sort of nostalgic flavor that everyone probably is used to. It does the trick. It's not, it's not incredible. But a couple of years ago, uh, someone introduced me to homemade stuffing, homemade bread stuffing. And, uh, most everyone has the joy of cooking cookbook. Um, and there, they have a basic bread stuffing recipe in there and it's super easy. Um, but it's, unbelievably delicious and uh like you know since the time that we first tried i'm like oh my gosh that's the stuffing i want at thanksgiving so whenever i have an opportunity to like contribute like if we're going over to someone else's i was like well i'll bring the stuffing um because it's just it's so good and and i've yet to have shared it with someone who is like yeah take it or leave it except i'll say except for my children who hate stuffing in general doesn't matter More who for stuffing us. it is More exactly for you. it's yeah, right so. for, uh, that is perfect we'll just throw them a you know like a hot dog and it'll be all right you know <laughs> like 
So the big question is, uh, <laughs> yes, a hot dog. Hey, so I, we had a, re- a, lot of, a lot of good content here in this episode today. We want to thank you for stopping by and uh, uh, <laughs> take that, care, everybody. It. Happy Thanksgiving. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that is a it is a question as to whether uh, come game time, uh, you know, we'll we'll still be giving thanks, yeah. or better yet, after the game, uh, if our if our giving of thanks will have come to a, an end, <sighs> um, you know, and so hopefully uh, everyone has had a had a meaningful and uh, uh, wonderful Thanksgiving up to that point. That whatever happens on field is not going to. Uh, determine whether it's a good weekend or not but you, you know it's interesting I, i've you know for years i've listened to a lot of podcasts and uh there are not a ton out there that are that are great for penn state football there's a couple that that are you know consistent that they talk penn state football for the most part only um but all these other podcasts out there that 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 cover all the college football bases you know they cover all the conferences they cover the the college football landscape at large they and some of them are some of those people end up are actually you know um, Penn State fans. They, they just but they like all of college football and discuss it. Namely, the Solid Verbal guys. Solid um, Verbal shout out. Yeah, I I really like their their podcast a lot. But but they they don't have to dive into the nitty gritty week in and week out of not can just avoid the, Penn State when they're having a bad totally. year. Totally, <laughs> we are we have to like. Do this every week, twice a week. And by the way, I'm still enjoying it. I'm still enjoying creating the the podcast. Um, and I'll reiterate it. It's just an interesting season <laughs> to be starting a Penn State podcast or even having one in general. And yeah, and, we're and, we're enjoying it. The question is whether anyone else is still enjoying listening to us. Right? <laughs> is, my point is, if if um, it's really just given me an added perspective for looking at the team in different ways than just like I'm ticked off they're losing. I'm yeah, just and, the and wins I want, and losses. Yeah, right? Or in this case, just the losses. Yes. Just <laughs> which the diff- by the way, I, I I it occurred to me this week, we have yet to have an opportunity to talk about a Penn State team right. that has won a right. football game. That's a great point. Like <laughs> like this like, podcast and the life of this podcast we have yet to come off of a, 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 a team that has won the game that we had just had a chance to talk about. So I really, I, I've been telling myself this every week from, from the first loss to the second loss to the third loss and beyond. I've been telling myself that, that, you know, this is a, a very interesting first season to be, to, to be starting a podcast and it's a very interesting way to be starting a podcast in with all these losses coming from a fan perspective because it's really g- giving us this like um alternative way of of uh of viewing the team and and talking about the team and really trying to find the bright spots in this team as best we can week in and week out and it really makes me think that that this podcast has the ability to grow from the depths of despair that this team is and not and not unlike not unlike the team has the ability to grow from the depths of despair because the you know if you have a winning season next year like man what what talk about being thankful 
you know, True. talk about having perspective. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. looking yeah, back, yeah. like, man, we went through those, like how we look back on the 2020 season and, you know, one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, like, cause we're talking about the dark years of the Jopa team. And, and we talk about those in a certain kind of respect and a certain kind of light. Um, it's just to be interesting to see what our perspective of this team is and our perspective of this podcast is moving forward based on this season. Yeah. So, so, and I, we'll start with some news and notes here um, to, to, to have a little bit of that perspective. But I, I totally agree with you, Tom. Um, let me just share what we're going to be doing today on the podcast. Uh, we're going to do a, uh, some news and notes, um, particularly uh, some information coming out of the, of the press conference from Tuesday. Um, we're going to then take a look, a close look at this Michigan team who in some ways is – uh, paralleling Penn State's season in terms of disappointment, not not quite as uh, woeful in terms of results on the field. They have a couple of wins, but certainly far, far underperforming uh, expectations. And then we'll once again try to uh, talk about what some of the keys to the game, although <laughs> may not sound all that much different from last week. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up looking at what Penn State needs to do uh, to get some success on the field this week. But let's jump in and, and pick up right where, where you left off, Tom. And, you know, one of the things that has occurred to me as we're continuing to do this podcast, have to stay engaged with this team in spite of an unprecedented season of losing 0-5, um, you know, and, and probably approaching all-time losing streaks in addition to that. Um, how do you stay engaged if you're a member of this Penn State team? And has Franklin lost the team? And so a little bit of that came up today in uh, the press conference, and there were, there were two little things that uh, he mentioned. One uh, one of the questions was about Franklin's phrase uh, that he's used in the past of pulling the rope in the same direction. And it seemed a little bit like the question was fishing for like, you know, are you guys all over the place? Is everyone sort of scattered? Are you guys actually functioning as a team right now? And and Franklin, you know, really without much reflection said, yeah, we are doing that. We're pulling in the same direction uh, in spite of the the frustration and disappointment that we're all facing, which he, he did acknowledge. Um, but he said that the team is sticking together, that the team is doing what the coaches uh, have asked of them. Um, and one of the things he said has given uh, the, the, the team confidence to do that is that he said that, that, that the guys know that Franklin's structure and system works and it's brought success at a high level. And so um, they're going to continue to work that system. I just thought that was fascinating, Tom, in part because, you know, when we were talking about the the post game after the Iowa loss, we, we you and I kind of said uh, they really need to sort of scrap what they're doing, chuck the system, forget the quote unquote program and, you know, start from scratch, try something new, do anything. And Franklin kind of said quite the opposite of that. He said, look, we're not panicked. We believe in our system. We have confidence in our system and our players have confidence in the system and we're all working together to make that, you know, come together and ultimately get the win that we're all expecting, even though we haven't seen it yet. He, he kind of closed that section to say, uh, <laughs> we're not the first program to face this. We won't be the last, but we're going to get it fixed. If there's one thing you can point to 
observationally speaking about Franklin, his, um, his like, uh, just how he's been carrying himself, how he's been speaking, how he's been, um, you know, his, as much as we don't like the type of body language we're seeing from James on the sideline, it's it's certainly not somebody who's showing signs of losing his mind, losing you know like he, yeah, there's he no he's collected. Panic. Yeah, yeah. He, he does not appear to be panicking, and it, certainly he might be coming across as disappointed, and uh, you know, but but that from a fan point of view, I know people are very very frustrated by not seeing any kind of emotion from Franklin, but. But if if we are seeing emotion from Franklin and it's negative emotion, what does that look like then? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, and it's interesting you mentioned that, like the fans' frustration, uh, because he was asked directly, you know, does he think he's lost the team? Um, and and you know, again, Franklin, you know, very matter of factly said basically no, and here's why I don't think so. He's seen signs of fight on the field in the second half. They've battled back in a lot of these games, um, even though they haven't come out, you know, ultimately successful. That t- he sees that the team is is you know fighting, um, and he said what he's seen in practice, um, and that they're sticking with the program. Uh, you know that they're playing hard um, and and working the system. And then he went in and he said, he, he he took a step back and said, look at the nature of college football these days. Now that the playoffs uh, are in the picture, that basically as soon as a team is effectively out of the picture, uh, For the playoff. Know, the, yeah, of the playoff picture, that it's the fans that lose interest. So the and fans, I, the, the, the team loses the fans. That's it. And like, the Franklin loses the fans. Right. But, the it's not te- that... but he's not losing the team. Exactly. And the he players aren't the losing the coach. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you're only looking at it from the perspective of like what you're hoping, expecting out of the season and your emotional engagement as the fans. I mean, he didn't come out right and say that. But that was like, to me, that was the implication from Franklin. It's like what you're feeling and seeing and the expectations of the fan base, that's not reflective of what is happening with the team. And it's like, because you think there's nothing to to root for anymore. And, and that that's one of the big changes in the playoff era is it's magnified the, you know, the, the, the national championship and the playoff. And it's sort of uh, diminished any other, you know, expectations, at least of the high level programs. Now, I think to a certain extent that was true before the playoffs even, but yeah. um, I thought it was the point. If was you lost the game, you weren't going to like, it typically was like, oh man, our chance at the BCS is, impossible at this stage because you got Florida State or, who you know, Oklahoma, you know, undefeated, and you have to hang with those undefeated teams. But in yeah, the playoff yeah, era, still it's still right. the top four, and, like, maybe a one-loss team can still get in, but you still got to have the resume. So your, yeah. your resume it already isn't stacking up to, against somebody whose resume, uh, you know, is, they're in there, they're in the top four, and their resume is already there. Like, you're just like, oh, that's it, no chance we blah, blah, blah. But it's like the games still need to be played. Now, when you haven't won a game yet, like it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, it gets to this whole point of of you know what are you playing for, and what are you you know as a fan, what are you tuning in for? I mean, of course, you want the wins, but are there other things? And you know, well, again, from Franklin's perspective, you know, take it uh, for what it's worth, but that he, that he hasn't lost the team. Well, I'm reminded by um, kind of how 
Joe Paterno, you know, we that's who we have to measure uh, as a yeah. as a Penn I mean, State fan. That's, that's I don't think what there's our anyone. Stick. Is there anyone alive who, you know, would have a, a, re- a recollection of who the coach is other than Joe Paterno? Or Bill O'Brien or James guess, Franklin. Yeah. Well, we had I mean, Rip we Angle. Had Tom, is anyone Tom still? Tom Bradley. Tom Bradley coached one well, game. Well, sure, fair enough. <laughs> but I'm just saying, Anyways, like, yeah, anyone yeah. remember the Rip Angle era? So my point is that Joe Paterno, um, it wasn't often that he spoke of of the the goals and aspirations of of winning. Like he didn't come out to the media and say we're looking to win a national title this year, you know. And Franklin has come out and said in recent history. You know, he wants to be the first African American to win a national title. Yeah, and he's so those are been expect- a lot more. He, he's those been are- more explicit about you know goals of winning a championship. Both well, so the when Big your the- head coach right. is saying right. these things, as a team, you ha- you can only. I mean, what's your what what choice do you have but to think that we are playing for national titles here? That's our goal. You know, he wants to dominate the state in recruiting. He wants to play for national championships. He wants to win Big Ten championships. And like when you when you continue, I think he was saying some of that uh, African American uh, national championship stuff um, in this off season. You know, I think so it may have been last off season. I, I, I don't think remember. it was during the year last year. Yeah, I think up. that was it. Yeah, but then I think he reiterated it again, reiterated it again this past off season, and so it's just, you know, you you almost you just set yourself up for a more massive failure when you're constantly speaking out loud about your your goals, which I'm not suggesting you don't speak about your goals. I mean, once you once you say a goal out out loud and two people and in public it makes it that much more real but there's also yeah, been some the studies there's that, also right. been some studies that show that people are more likely to fail once they put it out into the ether for other people to hear Interesting. Um, yeah and i don't know if i can track that study down that i've seen but but i hear a lot about that in like people going for you know speed record attempts on like some of the trails that i hike and and it's like once you once you talk about it and put it out there like you're like a lot of people end up failing myself included by the way uh so it was an interesting <laughs> I mean is that like psychological or there is that could, like there could voodoo be. or what <laughs> I don't I don't know that's it's a, it's not something you can quite totally put your finger on but but i'm i think that joe uh you know he let his coaching and he let his players play do the talking as opposed to saying these things to the media right and 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 i'm not saying there's there's only one way to do this there's obviously well and we were frustrated with joe a lot of times because of that (laughs) absolutely yes we were but so which is which is worse saying what you want to do and not getting there or not saying what you want to do and not getting there but sometimes getting there <laughs> right <laughs> right uh, yeah so <clears throat> well and you know again this i think this goes to one of the other things that that we've talked about just in terms of these themes is um just how hard it is to be at the peak of uh you know major college football it's extremely difficult and so many things have to go right um, you know, like a finely tuned engine or even like a, a rocket. We were talking about the Challenger the other day and like, the you shuttle, know, just the, you know, the, the, the Challenger shuttle, shuttle and, and, and just how, um, you know, small uh, misalignments can lead to, to major disasters. and Or delays even. 
Yeah, absolutely. Un unsuccessful uh, launch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think there definitely still is some of that. Um, and again, maybe good reason to stick with the program, you know, because it's just there, the things aren't quite aligned. And and so maybe it's you're just not that far from a, a much better uh, showing. But, um, you know, I think that's also, you know, again, in terms of what you're what you're putting out there. Um, in terms of expectations, both for yourself and our expectations as fans, you know, one of the things that Joe Paterno, I remember every time he came out and talked about a team, it doesn't matter if it was like Kent State or Alabama. He always talked about this is a dangerous team. This, this is a team with good players. This team can beat us. We have to be prepared, you know, and there's a sense of like nothing is a given. Nothing is handed to you. You've got to work uh, and 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 put it all together to make it happen week in and week out. It's not just just because you had success last week or just because you had success last year. And I think that's again we're still seeing that play itself out. He was also this very year. slow to give his players praise when <laughs> they were true. just doing their jobs. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So right. um, I think that there's this idea that like uh, Franklin runs more of a hype train with his team than than the hard coaching than doing the hard coaching that is required to to get his team to be prepared for these games and and I wonder on some, on a certain level um how much of that is is um you know Franklin I I I'm at odds with myself and wondering if if Franklin is proving himself to not be a great developer of players um, I, we've obviously had a lot of really amazing talent that has gone on to have NFL careers, um, but some of those players uh, may have just risen to the top on their own merits and their own drive. I wonder if um, with these, you know, high-level recruiting classes by all measures um, in, in re you know recruiting rankings that we have had these last several years, you know, it, it does. It, there's no explanation for why. Um, we're, we're struggling to find explanations for why this team with all this talent isn't being able to put it together on the field for even one win out of their first five games. And, and I'm wondering if, if development is, is part of that problem. And I'm wondering if, if, um, you know, this, this possible deficiency in development is being magnified by, by COVID in the sense that, you know, I think he even brought up in the, in the press conference about Dwight Galt, Dwight Galt's strength and conditioning program. They couldn't even meet in the spring. They, he couldn't get his guys running through his, you know, all world Dw uh, Dwight Galt certified, you know, <laughs> right. strength and conditioning camp, <laughs> which is producing freak athletes year in and year out. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely part of the development is just the um, the physicality and the molding of these, uh, you know, young men's bodies in such a way that will be ideal for, you know, football shape. And and certainly I think that has been a resounding success during Franklin's time here. Um, but, you know, I think the point is well taken. Are we seeing, you know, in terms of a talent uh uh, development, you know, are we seeing guys take the quote unquote next step the way the way that we would expect? And you know, maybe you could say, you know, that the results have been mixed. Um, you know, it's, it's it's hard to know. Like, how would they have fared under someone else's program? You know, how much of it is their own personal uh, development and decision making versus 
you know, the program that they're put through. But even that, I guess there's a little bit of, of motivational aspect. Can you motivate guys to put the work in? And I think that's part of why I well, was talking about Paterno earlier is, is, you know, part of that saying, you look, this is a team that can beat us. And obviously we know Michigan is a, is a team that you're not, you're not going to worry about sleeping on because they have talent all over the place. But, you know, the Maryland's or the Rutgers who, who we have coming up in two weeks, um, you know, you can sleep on on it and, and not want to put the work in, you know, especially when you're losing. How do you find the motivation to continue to put the work in? Uh, it's good to hear that Franklin feels he hasn't lost the team. Um, but, you know, one of the other things I, that he said that I that caught my attention, um, and I'll, I'll sort of wrap it up here, um, is he said that, that, you know, this period of losing and adversity, which has sort of been a catchword for Franklin um, this season, is really that it gives you an opportunity to understand your why. You know, why do you get out of bed in the morning? Why do you come to play football? What's it all about? If it's not only wins and losses, if there's something more significant to it. Like if you can discover that, that's really powerful. And that can motivate you to put the work in, even when you're not seeing the success uh, on the field or the results, um, you know, from week to week. I, I thought that was interesting and, and did sort of point to some of the substance that might be underneath the hype for Franklin and for this team. It'll be interesting to see over the months uh, and even years ahead how the the adversity of this time plays itself out to either something that is going to really blossom into, into something spectacular, or is this a start of like a multi-year collapse? And of course, I know that's what everyone's worried about. Myself included. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, that's that's pretty much what we've got to say in relation to the press conference um, that just uh, concluded right before we hit record. Uh, you know, the, the other bit of news, um, you know, pointing to that, you know, multi-year collapse. Yeah, worry. this is actually um, a, was could be a, a one-off or a troubling sign here. Right. Um, a, mid, be determined. a mid-season announcement of um, transfer portal. Um, uh, Trent Gordon, uh, backup safety, has indicated that he's entering the, the transfer portal. I don't, Tom, do you have any other information besides that? Uh, I, all I, I mean, there. all I know is uh, that he was uh, somebody we recruited out of Texas, and that was a big deal for us. Um, he was he wasn't like a top three hundred recruit, but he was he was a three star recruit um, according to the two four seven Sports Composite, um, and he was the fortieth ranked uh, defensive back in the country that year in two thousand eighteen. He was supposed to you know make make an impact for us at some point in his career, at, by all counts, and. Um, yeah, I, I we don't know why. We have no, and we might never know why until possibly he gets, you know, he comes out with it on his social media or a year or two down the road when he's at his next school, he talks about it somewhere along the way. Um, we won't know, but um, we, we certainly we, cer we certainly wish him. The, Go ahead. We certainly wish him the best wherever he goes. Um, no. Hopefully there's uh, hopefully it's just, you know, a matter of playing time and he wants to, to get ready for his next, um, you know, school. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that, troubling. it's it's yeah, it's, dif it's a difficult thing to imagine uh, how it's not a negative impact for, for Penn State. Yeah. Well, number one, there's the depth issue. But just uh, I was going to say it's always troubling when someone leaves a team midseason for no apparent reason. You know, so. Again, we don't know if this is 
a sign that guys are starting to bail, or maybe it's just uh, you know truly uh, an individual situation um, that's not uh, part of a wider trend. But um, hopefully not. But we'll have to keep an eye on those. I mean, those our he he's a safety for us for what that's worth, and right, y- you know he. Uh... <laughs> Our, our safeties are not playing well at all. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would have been a year for an opportunity for someone, perhaps. Um, so that's what you'd think. And he was, I think he was, I think on the he was right below one of the two safeties in the depth chart. That's what and, I remember. I don't have it in front of me right now, but uh, but anyway, you know, again, well, you know, it's look, it's COVID, it's um, you know, an unsuccessful year, unsuccessful year for the football team so far. Um, you know, who knows what the reasons are. We can certainly imagine that there might be any number of things not directly related to, um, you know, team morale. But uh, again, we'll try to keep an eye on it. Hopefully it's not the start of a trend, as, as you said. I Tom. mean, he, he, he contributed last year. He, he had 20 total tackles um, and five total passes defended on the season. So you would think, um, you know, he was a freshman that year, last year, uh, redshirt freshman. And you would just think that, that, you know, given that our we, we don't have a ton of um, you know playmakers making plays back there, you just would have assumed that this would have been a guy that would have had a, had his shot. So I, it's it is concerning on some levels, but the whole story isn't out yet. So um, we'll we'll look forward to seeing some some new details uh, um, being uh, given about that, and and hopefully uh, they're not any negative uh, reasons why he's leaving, and hopefully it's not the start of of a trend for some of these players. Yeah, so um, so that'll wrap uh, the news and notes uh, section. But let's uh, let's shift gears and look at the football game. Um, football game will be uh, played on the other side of Thanksgiving. Um, you know, Penn State will be traveling to Michigan. He indicated uh, again in the press conference that uh, travel this year is really different. They're not able to have team meetings or eat meals in the hotel. Grab and go meals. All their meetings are going to be. At Penn State before they uh, leave, it's you know typically it's a great celebration type atmosphere, a lot of fun and and uh, team building. You get to see your parents and and all that kind of stuff after team meetings conclude. None of that, um, but it'll be at Michigan uh, this coming Saturday. It's noon on ABC. Uh, would be you know typically a, a huge national draw game, and I guess if it's ABC, it's still going to have a national draw, but. Definitely uh, two teams that are really struggling. So let's um, let's go ahead and take a look at Michigan's season up to this point. And Tom, uh, as we've been saying, it has not been particularly successful. Well, it got off to a great start. It got off to a great start against um, Minnesota, and they they walloped them. And Minnesota, Minnesota at the time was ranked in the top twenty-five for sure. Uh, I think they were I think they were ranked as twenty-first uh, maybe uh, for that game. And you know Tanner Morgan did not have a great game uh, against um, against Michigan's defense. Uh, Joe Milton, it was his first start of the season. He was supposed to be the next Cam Newton, uh, according to some people, because he had the size and speed and strength of of, of a Cam Newton. But um, it it you know and it, and it started to look like that against Minnesota. They basically you know scored 21 first quarter points, then scored 14 points in the second quarter, and then seven in each of the final two quarters to, to beat them 49 to 24. And at no yeah, time did you really think that Minnesota was going to come, come, come back and win 
quite uh, so. So it was a it was a thorough beating, uh, and Milton had 225 yards passing, no no interceptions, no sacks. Uh, Hassan Haskins had six carries for 82 yards in that game, and Ronnie Bell had four receptions for 74 yards in the game. It was just you know a solid uh, game uh, put together by Michigan. Yeah, and, and I remember um, you know seeing the result of that game. I I, I may have caught some of it, but um, thinking, uh oh. Like yeah, you know, because Minnesota, be good. Yeah. Minnesota was expected to vie for you know the the top team in the West Division, Certainly and did, um, yeah. you know coming off of their season from last year and um, watching Michigan dominate them like that, I was like, oh man, now we got to worry about Michigan too. Well, Minnesota's season has turned out to be you know nothing like what what they did last year. They they're now two and three and and. You know they're they have not had a lot of success. They well, lost. They're also breaking in an offensive coordinator because we stole their offensive <laughs> That's true. coordinator. That's so true. That Tanner they, Morgan but, hasn't had the year that he thought he was going to have moving forward. But they they lost. Um, you know, in over or not in overtime, but um, last second to Maryland, or maybe it wasn't overtime to Maryland, and then they lost pretty convincingly to Iowa. So um, there were two wins against Illinois. Are against Illinois and Purdue. Um, the Illinois win teams. being the only one that that was convincing. Purdue was a three point win, uh, but yeah. So that 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 Michigan win against Minnesota maybe doesn't look quite so hot these days. But after that win, uh, Michigan season took a, a turn for the worse with a three game losing streak. Yeah, and starting with with a game against their cross you know state rival, their little brother as they like to call them. Uh, Michigan State and Michigan State is a, a kind of an abysmal uh, team as well, and I say that knowing that my own team is very abysmal right now. So don't yeah we're don't don't think that I'm trying company to and all. yeah. Uh, but Michigan State is not a well put together team at this point in time. Mel Tucker's in his first season trying to get his foundation for uh, you know moving that organization forward. Yeah, they're one in three currently. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, Michigan had never led in that game against Michigan state and they just looked bad doing it. They looked real bad. And then, uh, the, you know, Indiana came in and took care of business for the most part against, uh, Michigan. They lost. Yeah. It uh, wasn't in- close. Yeah. They lost to Indiana 38 to 21 and that score may, you know, it makes it sound closer than what it really was. And then the wheels came completely off against Wisconsin, Wisconsin, brutally brutally embarrassed them it was it was you know i watched demolished the game. and it was the game after our you know um what maryland yeah. and i couldn't even i couldn't even enjoy watching that game but i watched it i watched michigan go down so you know and and joe milton their quarterback has been having significant issues this year um Harbaugh hasn't hasn't seemed to to figure out who his quarterback has been ever you know in his coaching career at Michigan but then the Rutgers game you know uh, yes we're talking a little about bright light for we're talking for Michigan. about we're talking about Rutgers okay um you know before the game my dad said oh Michigan's gonna blow the doors off of Rutgers and I was like I'm not sure of that I'm actually looking for Rutgers to win this game like I, ex- I, I literally expected Rutgers to beat to win this game. Rutgers currently game. a team that has only one win against that same Michigan State team that beat right, Michigan. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, Rutgers has looked competitive this year. They are fighting. Like they are, they are literally the fighting Greg Schiano's. Greg Schiano is a man on fire on the. Yeah, on and the that's sideline. our next team up, by the way. And yeah, watch out, Michigan. Penn State. Yeah. So we got th- that watching that game on Saturday night against uh, Michigan and Rutgers was, 
you know, here's here's what you have to expect. And I was like, you know, from a Penn State fan's point of view, you're like, uh, I want one of these teams to lose for sure. Can they both lose? No. But if I want one of them to lose, I think it's Michigan. You know, you want Michigan to lose. I definitely would have been pulling for Rutgers. I did not watch that game, but yeah. Yeah. And I think the last thing that I wanted to see was was both teams fighting to triple overtime, which is what this game was. (laughs) You know, because it kind of, yes, Rutgers is going to feel defeated, but Michigan got to walk away with a triple overtime win, and they actually feel good about it. You know, that's their second one in the season. Michigan feels good about it, but the biggest thing that happened in that game is two players emerged on the offensive side of the ball for for Michigan and again yes it's Rutgers but two players emerged where where Michigan has not been able to figure out who their quarterback is going to be you know week in week out because Joe Milton clearly hasn't been it and they haven't really found and established who their running back is going to be because it's been between Hassan Haskins and and uh, Charbonnet. Uh, I forget his first name offhand. Um, yeah, so but... let's let's talk about Zach Charbonnet, by the way. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about their quarterback and uh, running back situation in just a moment. We'll we'll do a deeper dive on that. But let's uh, let's pull back out and just remember that we're dealing with uh, our favorite guy, Coach Jim Harbaugh. Yep. Uh, we are huge fans, and uh, if you can't tell my voice, that that's sarcasm. Yeah, um, no, we, we want Jim Harbaugh to stay as much as everybody else in the Big Ten wants James Franklin to stay. Yes, we 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 got a guy we love to hate, um, and uh, you know, just the de- speaking of sideline demeanors, like the, the look of disbelief that so frequently. Uh, is upon Jim Harbaugh's face on the sidelines. It's just a, a lovely sight. I, I love watching that. Um, but we won't get to see it this year because uh, of the the mask situation. Well, his his mask situation is, is its own interesting. <laughs> con- like I, nobody in all of football, both pro and college, wears their masks like this guy. He wears like a he wears the, the the face the face diaper kind but it, but it only cover he only wears it over top of his microphone that comes from the side of his face so it looks like it looks ridiculous we'll and have then, to put a, a, a something a link to I'll a picture, a picture in the show I'll notes find or something a picture. but then so so for the first many games that's been his his go to for wearing a mask and his whole mouth is completely exposed under there like you can see in from the side you can like you can see in from both sides his mouth. So it's not even doing what a mask is supposed to be doing. You know, he's, it's like, he's like a child or something. That's just like doing whatever he wants. But then this week he wore an, a second mask. Oh, double o- mask over his chin, a chin diaper. Wow. And so his face was ex- still exposed his mouth, rather his mouth was still exposed and it just looked like an even bigger moron. So, <laughs> Well, so try and find a picture and put it in the notes. Something to look forward to, uh, for some little sideline humor. Oh, and if you and if you listen to our most uh, recent episode before this, the show notes were lacking this week. Uh, I apologize. We I, I, that's all on me. That's my job, and I I, I wasn't going to say it, but I just said it. I felt it. We, I, we recorded and uh, and then we're recording the day after, and it just didn't work out timing wise. We we're just trying to get these episodes out. Thanksgiving week, we're trying to. Uh, 
try, trying to get get the episodes in before. Yeah, we're uh, recording on Tuesday. Before we're so stuffed uh, with food that we can't. Yeah, we want to enjoy Thanksgiving with our 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 individual household families. Yes, exactly. So okay, so um, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, so he's having well, a tough year. He's having a tough career at Michigan. It's not been what uh, everyone expected, is it? I mean, since that game, I went, was it 2017 or 16? Uh, I think it was 2016 when, um, you know, they were playing Ohio State and it was that, that last, oh, that first down right. that Ohio State got with, um, oh, what's his name? Not Braxton Miller, the guy that came after him. Um, oh, The guy that lost to us. Huh? That was the, that was the year that we beat Ohio State. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what's his name? Come on. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, that's – whatever. The point is he, like, <laughs> dove for, like, a one-yard touchdown – or, sorry, one-yard first down to, to – The to, infamous first down that – That wasn't. That, under that Jim review. Harbaugh was, quote, bitterly, bitterly disappointed in that call. Yeah. You know, he was livid after that game. Yeah, because that livid. was a close game. And I, I oh, was actually – Oh, and that was – yeah. I was, I, you know, we were – we had to root for Ohio State in that game. Yeah. Because if Michigan wins that game – Then they win the Big Ten. Then they win the Big Ten. So we're – you know, that was a, a good call for us, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But Ohio also, State still went to the playoff ahead of us. Yeah, which – I digress. I digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, in so any case, the point so since is, that Since that since infamous that game, call, fourth down call He in hasn't the game, even come close to sniffing Ohio State victory. He hasn't come close to sniffing Big Ten championship. He hasn't That's come right. close to sniffing I mean, that, a that, that, that was, was it. the Big Ten championship game yeah. for them. I mean, that, that would have sent them to the Big Ten championship game and possibly to the playoffs. And then that, that year, I remember they had a um, kind of a face plant against LSU, I think it was that year. Yeah. And so, yep. you know, again, it's sort of been that that was probably the peak of Jim Harbaugh. Uh, success and expectation at Michigan. And it's been really rocky since then. Absolutely. Well, to, to just give you a kind of a the last four years general comparisons between Michigan yeah. and, and Penn State, you know, we have, you know, the last four years, we have one Big Ten championship to their none Big Ten championships. We have two New Year's six, New Year's six bowl wins and three appearances to zero New Year's six, New Year's six bowl wins for them. We have three 11 plus win seasons. They have none. We have a two and two bowl record. They have an zero and four bowl record. So, like, you know, not beating Ohio State, not winning the Big Ten. Like, there's other things that, that they don't even stack up against us, let alone not stacking up against their bitter rival in Ohio State. Yeah. So um, it's not again, making a grade for Michigan fans, basically. Again, reason for me to, to just hope that Jim Harbaugh keep you know, keeps on keeping on at Michigan because, right, right. Uh, you know, it, it is it is nice to have high expectations that are <laughs> perennially not met. So while uh, I'm in the middle of, the, of highlighting, while I'm in the middle of highlighting, you know, Jim Harbaugh's um, deficiencies and, and the reasons why, you know, some you know their fan base is basically calling for his head more or less. You know, Michigan has had Penn State's number, but by and large, that um, is true. You know, in in the in the grand scheme, overall our, in the big, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we're we've won nine times to their fourteen times. Um, they went on a a massive win streak against us from I believe nineteen ninety seven to two thousand seven, where they won nine games in a row against us. I mean, I remember I, that. I remember and it I, was getting. I old. hated it. And then, I mean, and then that, and then we flipped yeah. it around and went went and ha- went ahead and won the next four in the series leading into two, the 2000 or it, through the 2013 season. 
But um, yeah, and then since then, it's kind of just been back and forth, you know? Yeah, I think um, the last four years, um, it, the home team has won this yeah, contest. that's correct. And, uh, and, and the big house is uh, one of our house of horrors. Like, we, we don't win there. Yeah, and uh, Franklin hasn't won there. Franklin has never won there. That's correct. And I, yeah, when was the last time we won in Ann Arbor? Let's see here. 2009, we beat them 35 to 10. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So, so in that time that uh, it's been Franklin versus Harbaugh, um, the, the home team has won. And um, that's going to definitely be, uh, you know, a dynamic going into this game that that's going to be challenging to overcome. Now, um, you know, speaking of Franklin, he's going to have a familiar face on the opposing sideline in offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, uh, who showed up last year um, to much fanfare and, um, you know, with the expectation that he was going to sort of turn around this underperforming offense. Um, and it was much of the same. It really was. Yeah, they haven't they have not figured it out offensively, really. Uh, yeah, they're not they're not like the worst offensive team in the world uh, this year, but uh, their their turnovers are killing them. Hmm, uh, sounds much familiar. Like, much like ours. Uh, I mean, they, they've, they've been productive here and there, um, but really it's just a, a Michigan fan would just be, you know, they just palm to face uh, with this offense. And then, the, uh, you know, their defense isn't helping them out either. So so, so Josh Gaddis has not been the, the wonder boy that uh, that they had hoped for, um, and you know some of some of that. Then um, let's get into talking about their quarterbacks now. Some of that, and and really under uh, Jim Harbaugh's whole time, they have not found the quarterback. You know, if you all remember back to his Stanford days and his 49ers days, like he was regarded as a guy that that could sniff out the next great quarterback and then you know ride them to success. I mean, he made Alex Smith a success, and then when he made the switch to Kaepernick, he made Kaepernick, Kaepernick a success, uh, and he was great with Stanford. He, they, their quarterbacks weren't. Uh, he had uh, Drew, um, excuse me, Andrew Luck. Yeah, Andrew at Luck, Stanford. He, so, right. he, I mean, one of the in, great success in the NFL for for many years. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, so. You know, I, I mean, I think the reputation is that that Harbaugh has been a quarterback's guy, and he's going to find that quarterback and find a. Put... And he is the quintessential Michigan man, right? He he's... he he. You know, he's a. I think it was a first round draft pick for, out of Michigan, uh, quarterback, and he grew up running around on the sidelines. Um, yeah, it'd be uh, like if Todd Blackledge came and and coached Penn State. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It so. Would be. Um, you know, but so he hasn't found that quarterback, and now you know, for after after a few years of of someone else's recruits, he's now firmly entrenched into his own recruits. Um, and so, as you said, there there are two quarterbacks on the roster um, that that have seen the field this year. Um, first couple of games, Joe Milton was a starter. Um, he was a, a, a top prospect um, out, out of Florida, and um, he had some success early on against Minnesota, but his productivity uh, has dropped off and his mistakes have increased. And then uh, more recently, we've seen uh, Cade McNamara, um, another top prospect out of Nevada. Um, Did you say McNamara? Or is it, is McNamara? it Mac I don't know. I think McNamara. McNamara. Let's go with McNamara. 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 It's funny doing a podcast of like you say names that you don't ever say out loud. You just hear yeah. them. And yeah. so, you know, anyway, <laughs> the blanket apology for mispronouncing people's names uh, is still in effect. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, uh, so our worst nightmare, uh, you know, going into the Michigan game is is that that they may have that is the idea that they may have found their quarterback. Now, now much yeah, that like, would be bad. <laughs> much like how you know Will Levis came out of uh, in the second came half. Off the or third, sorry, second quarter came off the bench and and performed admirably to a degree in the Maryland game. Right? Is that what, is that when that was? Um, they're all right? running together. Yeah, yeah I guess I it mean, was the yeah, Maryland first, game. Wasn't yeah, it? it was Maryland. No, right? I'm I'm struggling here. They're all <laughs> they're, they're all in my brain in ways that I yeah. It it was the uh, sorry the Nebraska game. I, yeah, that's the Nebraska it. game. The Thank other you. red team that we played uh, and lost to. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of red teams for, in the Big Ten. Truthfully, um, so so when Will Levis came off the bench in the in the Nebraska game, you know we saw a flash, and it, it turned out that that flash was merely just a flash. It wasn't Will Levis able to take the reins uh, against. Um, Iowa, and he just looked kind of uh, lost a lot. And just uh, yeah, un- I mean, after the first few drives, he seemed to sure. uh, we sure, seem to sure, see sure. the same problems that we have so, seen in Chunk. So, so here now, uh, Cade McNamara comes off the bench in their um, uh, in this last game um, that they played against Rutgers, and he performed very well. It wasn't like he he just it wasn't like he. Um, pulled a Will Levis and like almost almost brought him back and won the game. He had a lights out game for them more or less. It, it was it was pretty impressive and and it and it kind of you know you just you have yeah, to share think some yourself. of those stats, Tom. Yeah, sure. So so basically he he um he threw four. Let's see here. I have I have his numbers right here. Um he was Seven or sorry, twenty-seven for thirty-six for two hundred and sixty yards and four touchdowns with a seventy-five completion, seventy-five percent completion rate. All right, and zero sacks. Seventy-five percent right? completion rate. You know, after having thrown thirty-six passes, like it's not like he threw you know four passes and completed yeah. three of them. Yeah, and, and, the and crazy and four touchdowns, four touchdowns. Yeah. And the crazy thing is. He only played in two other games before that, and he was four of seven for forty. I'm sorry, four of seven for seventy-four yards and a TD. Um, and versus, and that TD was was uh, versus Wisconsin off the bench in in the blowout where Wisconsin was already blowing them out. You know, it's got to give Harbaugh confidence in giving the ball. Um, you know, going into the, our Penn State game after a performance like that, you know. So, as from a Penn State perspective, if I'm you know, I'm hoping Joe Milton's going to play against us. I'm not hoping this guy that's injecting life into the, you know, this bench and this offense. I'm not hoping this guy comes in and plays, but that's what it looks like. And it looks like he, well, I mean, Harbaugh has not yet named a starter. Is that right? No, he hasn't. And that's, you know, to me, that's gamesmanship. Cause yeah, it, I mean, similar to Franklin not naming a starter last week, even though it seemed pretty obvious it was going to be Levis. Now, again, um, depth chart this week says Will Levis or Sean Franklin, right? Uh, and I don't remember which order it is. Sean but, Franklin? Uh, Sean Franklin. <laughs> I haven't seen that name on the roster yet. You must yeah, be looking at a different He's an up-and-comer. <laughs> yeah. Sean Clifford. Uh, Franklin has not named uh, the Penn State quarterback starter at this point either. Yeah, so um, I, Franklin has definitely mentioned that he he 
he's like, we're going to need both Sean and Will. I think he anticipates, like, swapping these guys in and out moving forward. Oh, boy. We always know because how well that works. They're both, they're both um, turning the ball over. You know, yeah. so how do you? I mean, I do want. Well, look, let's talk about Penn State's quarterback situation in a moment. Let's keep going on on Michigan okay. for now. Sounds so good. So yeah. So again, um, we we think we're probably going to see McNamara. Um, although it'd be nice to have a, a Joe Milton, uh, you know, meltdown again uh, to, to help Penn State out. You know, because again, Penn State struggles uh, stopping the pass. And um, our secondary has been been really tough uh, to watch this year. So um, if we get someone who's a hot passer, it's going to be it's going to be a long day for Penn State. Outside of Joey Porter, Joey Porter Jr., we definitely have been. You know, Tariq Castro Fields is likely out again. I hope he's yeah. playing. But even when he's he is MIA playing, for the last couple of weeks, even when he is playing, he's not been. You know, he's not been locked down. He's not been locked down. Um, but our our safeties are a huge concern. Uh, it's it, our our pass our passing defensive scheme is, you know, basically the it's buttery soft. You know, mm-hmm. we yeah. we are ripe for teams passing against us. Yeah, I mean, I think it was against Iowa. I think it, you know we had a you know third and seventeen, and we gave up a twenty yard pass play against Iowa. It was if like I remember third correctly. and it was like or no, it was like second and twenty or third and twenty, whatever or it like was. that. And they got like, twenty five. Yeah. You know, so it's just been it's just been you know, third head long has, head third scratching. and long has not been a, a favorable situation for the Penn State defense because the, the the past defense has been so poor. So all that to say, uh, you know, if they have a quarterback who is able to get the passing game going, it's going to be a tough day for Penn State, assuming that we haven't figured things out in the secondary. Now, similarly, they also uh, Michigan also has. Uh, a little bit of a running back situation where Zach Charbonnet, uh, who was a great back for them last year, really tough runner. I remember watching him on a, n- a number of games and just feeling like, wow, that here's someone who's who's tough. Um, you know, th- he got going a little bit uh, against us, but um, you know, really against some other teams last year, he he had some big numbers. He's not uh, done a lot this year, and in fact, uh, a different running back has really carried the load this year. Um, Hassan Haskins. Yeah, and he he ran the ball for them pretty hard last year too. Uh, he he had like over 500 yards rushing for them. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't their first. He wasn't their one A. He was their one B though. He, they were running two two running backs pretty hard last year. But it was clear Charbonnet was their starter, and they they gave him the lion's share of the carries. But this year, I mean, they have been giving. They have not been giving the ball to to Zach much at all. He has only carried 19 times this season for 124 yards. Yeah, he's sort of been totally absent. I mean, and 70 of those yards came on one carry against Minnesota in the opening game. So he's only had four carries, and he only had four carries in that game for a total of 70 yards. So four carries for the same total as that one 70 yard carry you know it, and it was his lone touchdown so so his his numbers uh are yeah they're not giving him the ball much and when he is getting the ball outside of that 70 yard touchdown run it's been for next to no yards so he's not been finding the creases or the gaps or the um holes to be running through and and that that's opened the 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 door for Hassan Haskins to to kind of you know, get the lion's share of the carries here, and it, he proved it. He proved that he could run the ball um, in this last game against Rutgers. Again, asterisk, it's Rutgers. Um, 
but he he had he ran the ball twenty I think it was twenty three times for one hundred eleven yards and a touchdown. So yeah, and, and you know it makes you wonder is he is he dealing with you know injury? Is he dealing with uh, fumble well, ruskies? Is no. he dealing with just I, I think you the, know the Michigan fans. Uh, I think they're they're like they're head scratching. They're like, why isn't our you know former five star recruit, which um, I think he was a four star composite with two four seven sports, their former uh, four star five star recruit, um, which by the way was fourth the fourth rated running back in the country in his class nationally. They're just wondering why he's not getting the ball, and and then there's been rumors on top of that that he might be thinking about possibly transferring now that's that's truly a rumor and we don't know so i'm not really trying to spread that like i'm not trying to further that rumor and give it more legs than it needs to have well it's you know in some ways a little bit like what penn state's dealing with it's been a down year you get some guys that aren't finding success and you know is that you know motivation to sort of look around see if the grass is greener you know um you want guys to have a successful college career. You want guys to be on a team that fits for them. Um, you know, so it's hard to really wish, you know, wish poorly of these of these kids or, or, or feel uh, bad about the choices that they're making that they think is in their best interest. And like you said, it's a rumor. We don't even know if that's true. Right. Um, you, you know, but it, again, it just sort of has that feel of like, what's going on behind the scenes with this team? Um, and could it be the lack of success that's that's causing some friction or causing some guys to check out? Um, you know, again, it looks like we'll see Hassan Haskins um, if the if the pattern holds, get the they get the lion's share of the carries. Um, Six point two yards per rush is a pretty good average. Uh, again, uh, our our defense has not been particularly effective at um, shutting. Uh, the running game down against anyone. So, uh, uh, you know, Michigan's got Minus talent. the Indiana game. Sure, sure. Good point. Um, but they but, aren't, but they're not a running team at all this season anyways. Like they're, they're, they're a passing team. That's what they do. Yeah. You know, and, and again, Michigan is a team, um, unlike some of the teams that we struggled with, you know, outside of Ohio state, uh, Michigan's a team that has talent on both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, I don't know how, you know, they rate out next compared to the, the team that we're putting on the field, but it's likely we're facing in, in some spots more talented players and other spots players that are just as talented as our guys. Um, it, although they're struggling and they have struggled to beat um, Rutgers, um, they, they did not beat Michigan State. They did not beat, um, you know, teams that you would expect them to beat. Um, and got blown off the face of the planet against Wisconsin. Nonetheless, this is a talented and dangerous team. Um, you Which know, is what they Michigan's saying about Penn State, too. Yeah, of course. It's true. And either one of these teams could sort of – it could click for them. Um, you know, again, is this an opportunity uh, you know, to catch someone while they're, while they're down, to catch someone while they're struggling? I sure hope so. Maybe this is an opportunity for Penn State. And I would certainly feel uh, good to beat a Michigan team, regardless of you know what kind of season Michigan's having. Um, but it's going to be a talented team. They also got, you know, just for the record, a uh, you know, talented receiving core um, led by uh, Ronnie Bell. Um, we remember that name from last year. Um, you know, 
again, he's going to be a challenge for our secondary to cover. Yeah, um, he's averaging 16.4 yards a catch. He's had 22 catches for 361 yards. Now, he's not gotten in the end zone a bunch this year, one one so far, but Cornelius Johnson has gotten in the end zone three times this year, and he averages even more yards per catch than, than Ronnie Bell. So, you know, wh- one thing we do is we allow receivers to be wide open past the 10-yard yeah. the, the mark. Wide yeah, open. which also gives them an opportunity to get yards after catch if we're if we're out of position. So Ronnie Bell's a, a talented uh, receiver that's going to take advantage of poor coverage. Is going to get yards after catch, and yeah, sixteen yards per um, you know per reception is is. <laughs> I mean that's a lot. That's a lot of yards. And it was seventeen point one for for uh, Cornelius. So yeah. So um, well, look, we're gonna um, start to take a turn toward you know what is Penn State gonna need to do. Uh, but before we get into that, let's just re- recap um, for folks who you need a refresher. What kind of schemes Michigan runs on offense and defense? Well, so on offense, they would like to be a power running team with the RPO um, and then running a prototypical passing offense along with that because they have prototypical passers. Both both um, Joe Milton and Cade McNamara are, are pro-style QBs. Um, right. That's so what they are. They so they will the, run – yeah, they will run, they the, run RPO. the RPO. But not they're not going to run their quarterback in the same way that Penn State has the last couple seasons. Yeah, we really rely on our quarterback getting us yards um, – <laughs> regularly us, get, yeah our our it's clear that our quarterbacks are leading rushers in every game more or less um uh with the exception of the nebraska game we actually got our our running backs going but uh yeah they're they're gonna try and pound the ball uh and they're gonna try and uh, you know pass 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 out of the you know out of the shotgun um and you'll just you'll it, it's it's honestly the same offense that that he's been running at Michigan for years uh it just hasn't been able to run it with um any sort of effectiveness effectiveness and it's this is now Josh Gaddis's twist on it on what was um the attempt at this kind of an offense for the last four or five years yeah and again um Although Michigan has has had more success in the last few years in terms of wins, it's not been an offense that has um, y- you know gotten over the hump in terms of you know winning the the Big Ten or anything like that, and, and has not been fairly has not been particularly consistent. But nonetheless, you're going to see that RPO uh, power run game. Um, they're going to try to use the run to set up the pass, and and they have had some success. Uh, success in in both the run in the past this year, just not enough, I guess, to beat their opponents as regularly as as Michigan would like. Um, now, Michigan's also got a, a, a really well known defense led by coordinator Don Brown, one of the one of the best in the game. He has uh, been one of the best in the game. In has recent, been, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's not a has memory. been. But the last like last year, they took a dip, obviously. This year they've taken an even further dip. It's almost like it's almost like parallel it, it, to our it. defense. You know, Brent Pry, you know, by all counts has had an amazing defense for us, um, minus those passing defensive breakdowns. Um, but you know, getting to the quarterback, sacks, stout run defense, all that. That Don Brown's defense has been similar in those respects. This year they have been on the same track as our defense. They are giving up thirty six points per game. Which equals Penn State's defense 
uh, you know, points per ga- points per game against us. Thirty six. I mean, We're both tied for that. Shocking. In, tied for second to last place in the Big Ten, behind only Rutgers or ahead of only Rutgers. I mean, that's just shocking. Uh, yeah. For either of these teams to hear that you're. You're giving up 36 points per game. I mean, we're, we're five games into the season. This isn't like yeah. a – there's it's, no outliers here. It's not this an is, aberration. This is who these defenses are right now. Yeah. Can they turn the tide somewhat? Sure. sure. You can't, you can't like, totally reverse course on a on, on a season at this stage of the game. Not, not full 180. Like, it would be a miracle to see both these defenses turn their seasons around completely and start playing sound technical – not you know, not missing tackles, not not missing assignments, not you know, getting blown off the ball, which is what these defenses have been having happen to them. Yeah. So um, nonetheless, um, you know what we're going to see from um, you know a defense that in years past has been very 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 well regarded and has had the ability to shut you know, certainly shut down lesser teams. Um, they're going to be, and I remember this in particular last year. Um, you know, the, in a man coverage type of situation where they're going to play up tight against your receivers, your receivers are going to going to have a really, really hard time getting open. Short underneath passes are not going to be available because of that. You, you know, the, the the hope it might be to to get some long uh, go routes or or post routes that that somehow you, you know you your guy gets past someone, but those are low percentage passes. Um, and that, you know, because you're doing man coverage, you can also put an extra guy in the box and it's going to be really hard to get yards on the ground as well. That's the Don Brown defense. That he's as well as pass. some creative blitz schemes as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So again, you know, for, for Penn State, number one, we have uh, not had a, a lot of luck in terms of giving uh, quarterback protection. We've not had a lot of ruck, r- luck getting the running backs going. And... Um, you know, long developing passes uh, while they've been there from time to time, and we've hit a few of those here and there. Um, they've been few and far between, and <laughs> feels like almost as often there's an interception to uh, offset any of those long passes. So, um, you know, it's going to now again, Michigan's defense has not played up to the standard that they have had in years past. So maybe there'll be some opportunities, um, you, you know, that, that, you know, mistakes or, or blown coverages or just, you know, poor tackling that we'll be able to take advantage of. But it's a scheme that is uh, quite likely to give us problems if they're able to run it well. Yeah, um, I, I definitely my, – I, my biggest fear here is that, you know, if you ask a Michigan fan like, oh, don't worry, Penn State will get their first win against our Michigan team. We are the worst. Don't worry. <laughs> Bow before – like, what is it? It's like a George Costanza. For I am Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. Like that's – like, <laughs> That's how like, a Michigan no fan is, a bigger is idiot feeling right now. Than, than George Costanza. It's like Michigan's like, no, trust us. We are the worst, the, you know, uh, between the two of us. We are worse. And I don't feel – I feel – the same way about Penn State. I feel that we will be the team that lets things get going for them because we've been the team for that for every single other yeah, team. We were for Nebraska. Season. We were for Maryland. We were for, you know, well, Iowa had already gotten going and we just, you know, kind of let them continue that trend. Um, you know, we, we were the, We gave Indiana the key to their yeah, the start. The, 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 yeah, like here, here, here you go. We're Here's the your whipping confidence. boy. We are the whipping boys. We're the whipping boys. Yeah, what's what? It, so that's my concern. 
Now, I do believe that Penn State has the ability to beat Michigan. I believe that. I believe that we have the players that could get it going to do it. It's just yeah. a matter of it's, where's it's their like confidence said, for every right game now. this season, right? You know, the, the, the talent, the capability is there, but, you know, what is it going to take to put together a complete game uh, that can actually do that? Now, again, we got, you got a team that, well, maybe they found a little something against Rutgers, but, you know, they're struggling too. You know, can we, you know, can we find a struggling team, exploit their weaknesses and and put it together? What are the odds that... Do we have the confidence to do so? Yeah. What are the odds that it'll be Penn State who finds the, the formula this week versus it'll be Michigan who finds a formula? I don't know. Flip of the coin. But, I, I you know, I got to say... I, I, I can't not, relate. I can't relate to... to to that feeling of not having confidence in what you're doing. I haven't had that feeling in a very long time. You know, I to to the point where you're incapable of of like um functioning. functioning I mean, to it's got to be really disorienting, right? It, it, yeah, it's probably got to be like mentally disorienting and emotionally disorienting too. Yeah, where you, you just, just sort of don't know what you're supposed to do. I can you, visualize it, I practice everything. it, or doing all the things right in practice, supposedly. And here it is, week after week after week after week, it just doesn't bear fruit. And that's like losing is a disease. And it just, it, like, can you can you find the vaccine in time? Can you find the the cure in time before it eats away at the carcass of a of a of a of a nittany lion you know <laughs> like will there be anything left of this of this lion by the end of the season it's or- really awesome on the metaphors here i think it's that's Way to go. Our father was extremely good. The carcass of the the lion. (laughs) Our father was big into analogies. In fact, he Uh used analogies for teaching lessons, for me at least. I don't know how he did it for you. He, He used football analogies for everything in life for me. Yeah. Every you know, no, he, baseball yeah, he analogies, football analogies. So here I am using other things for football now. Yeah, other I, analogies I hope he's proud. I hope, I hope he's I, proud of me. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Tom. If that Thanks, Andy. That, that's um, sarcastic, too. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's get to these keys of the game. All right? Yeah. So, look, first and foremost, you said it last week, and I'll say it again this week. It, it it's It's not so much X's and O's as mentality. It's not beating yourself. It's being ready to play the game of football the way it's supposed to be played from the opening whistle, from the starting kick. The coaches have to have the team ready to play. Uh, you know, they did play for a good part of that first quarter, but like it, then it fell apart. Like it's got to be four quarters uh, football game. The, on the defense, uh, especially, you know, Again, with a, untimely penalties, playing smart football, playing within yourself, not turning the ball over for crying out loud. And by the way, when you have the opportunity to get a turnover, say catching that interception or falling on the ball and not like letting it squirt out of your hands, it, all those things, those details, those, you know, it's, it's a mentality thing. It's a discipline thing. Th- that is the first and foremost. Can you be a football team? Just be a football team for crying yeah. out loud. I need to see my my keys to the game are are not even like what to do necessarily, you know, like how to beat Michigan. If it's for Penn State, what they need to do is that they need to find a way to maintain 
energy and positive energy on the sideline. They like after any play, like go over to your teammate, talk to him, tell him what 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 needs to happen next time, you know, and encourage that each yeah, other. And this is not like celebration after you made the no, one good play no, that you made, is, right? It, this is being cri- being like constructively critical or, criti- or criticizing um, your your teammates and helping them to learn how to do it better next time if you see it on the field. And do it in a positive manner, and do it in yeah, a, being an encouraging manner. On the task at hand, yeah. See, anybody can celebrate a, a tackle or a sack, but it, it's it's hollow if it if it doesn't bear any you know yeah, consequence to the game. Contribute to the to the whole yeah. of of a of a of a cohesive, coherent, collective performance. It, and it, and I'll be honest, it looks bad. It yeah. looks bad. It looks yeah. bad to 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 hope you know. Like probably some of your teammates, it definitely looks bad on television. And I'm not saying you need to play to look good on television, but man, if you're down 24 points and you're celebrating anything, and I get it, you want to have energy, but like, but like that, that's like we need to go in here with like a workman's type attitude. You should be expecting to make those plays. Shouldn't need to celebrate the 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 small plays that don't help you win the game. But here's the other key for me is you can be celebrating those plays when, you know, when the game is tight, when the game is close, when, when that juice bears fruit to your other teammates who are playing off of your energy, but you need to, we need to keep the game close. So that's my key. Another key for yeah. me is this game can't be outside of a 10 point window at any given time. And again, especially that's been, in the fourth quarter, that's been the whole season long. We got to keep this one close. The, the gap opens up. You know, I think other than the the Indiana game, the gap opens up to two or three scores at some point, uh, you know, before the fourth quarter. And it's like the game is already over. And so you're right. We've got to keep it close. That means the defense has got to be, um, you know, got to play better than they have. But it also means the offense has got to get out of their own way and not give – not give the other team a short field. Punt when you're supposed to punt. Go for it when you're supposed to go for it. And, you know, the, and don't those... turn the ball over. <laughs> yeah, don't turn the ball over. We are broken records at this point. We really I mean, are. And, but I'm and, sure and, the coaches are, are and the players know it all, yes. too. Yes. This is, I mean, it's not rocket science. Um, although we were saying before, it's complicated, maybe. You know, it could the, be the... rocket surgery. Is it rocket surgery? That's what the problem is. It's rocket it's, surgery. Got to get NASA in here. <laughs> I mean, it's complicated. Their <laughs> it's complicated to bring a, a high-performing team together, uh, but the, the the specific details of how you do it are are fairly straightforward, right? Hang on to the ball, focus on your assignments, trust your teammate, trust your coaches, and and again, for more than you know one or two quarters, we haven't seen this team. Uh, perform that way you know tactically speaking I want to say the run game was uh, at least by the running backs was non-existent versus Iowa yet again Uh, I think we've got to we've got to get these young running backs going we don't know if Devin Ford's available or not yeah and And, you know we don't know what his injury was or why he why he sat out maybe he's available and he'll be back and good to go but if not these two young running backs Think about this. We, 
they were they had three veteran running backs ahead of them at the start of the season and and we were thinking like yeah maybe we'll see from time to time one of these young running backs break out well now guess what the running game is on their shoulders um so they've got to they got to find a way to get the running game going and i think when when you are relying on two true freshmen to be your running game that that by the way weren't weren't didn't think that they would need to be used that way. It's got to be so difficult. I and mean, it's that it puts that much more pressure on these already faltering quarterbacks. It's, it's not a recipe for success. It really isn't. And, and, right. you know, you factor in the offensive offensive line is, you know, they, they're kind of starting to like figure out a couple of things, at least in terms of the lineup, but it, you know, Iowa just dismantled our run game. So, you know, like yeah, our, at least from the running back, I mean, we got blown up on both sides of the ball. You know, in yeah. terms of the the line play, but um, you know, speaking of the quarterbacks, look, if there is one thing that would turn around the fortunes of this team immediately, it would simply be if the quarterbacks could not turn the ball over. Yeah, Just don't turn the ball over. Yeah, literally, and don't and don't don't turn it over for for you know six points. Literally, the, has done three weeks in a row. The quarterback turnovers have been the single thing that has led to the other team scoring points that have beat us in every single one of these games. If what, you what, take what away the say? if you take what away the turn, turnovers by the quarterback, then the, Iowa the, doesn't score thirty one points. The thirty one points against Iowa. Directly off of, of turnovers. Yeah. I mean, but you go back through the season, each of those losses, and you add up the points that came off of turnovers, and it adds up at least to the margin of victory. Yeah. Like, that's the single biggest thing. And, you know, I, how disappointed were you this past week when L- Will Levis, and he didn't throw an interception, but he put the ball on the ground three, three times. times. Three times. Two two of them lost. Two of them were giveaways. Yeah, it was it was disappointing. So, pocket you know, presence is a problem. That's that's like coming from an, a, a lack of you know faith. Again, is it is it coaching? Your, your is it line. practice plans? Is it you know? And and, and Franklin said, uh, you know, of course, obviously, we're going to be working on turnovers this week. You know, but whatever it is, you know, it's just. It How do you is. work on turnovers? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's what, what makes you a coach. I mean, you're, you know, certainly strip drills and things like that. Um, you know, in terms of passing, again, it's it's focus, it's decision making, it's all those things. Um, who do you put in as your starting quarterback, Tom? Man, it's it's a uh, it's it, a conundrum. If you have the coach's clipboard, who who are you putting out there for the first snap? Micah Bowens. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth I don't string. know, man. Fourth I, I, string. I, so it's Michigan, dude. I don't know. I don't even have a like. You know, you would like to think that like, uh, we we know who we want, but Franklin's gonna go with Clifford or or vice versa. Like, but I don't even know which one makes the most sense. I like, think here because you have a problem here. You've now possibly broken both of your quarterbacks, and you've broken <laughs> possibly have broken Sean Clifford even more. Right. So like they're both, they're do we like they both almost feel like they need to be put out to pasture. I mean, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if Taquan Roberson were available, like you got to give him a shot if these guys keep doing this. Yeah, I agree with that for sure, and and that's the other wrinkle. I mean, and, and Roberson is someone who you know has always you know had some. 
you know, positive, uh, you know, oh, we know nothing reports. about take, we know we, nothing about, we know next to nothing, but like, you know, some He's of the dual like dual threat quarterback, some of the initial kind of reports is like, yeah, here's a guy with some potential. Oh, he looked good in practice or whatever. He's we coming felt that along. Way about Levis too. I, I know, but you know, all he, that. Well, Levis was like had like like had crazy numbers on whatever like athletic aptitude test that sure. they run at whatever. I mean, and you're always going to get like some you know, some positive things, you know, about the, the backup, backup quarterback, you know, uh, it helps their mentality and, and, and it also like helps the fan base feel like there's stability in the program. But um, we don't know a lot about Roberson. What we do, you know, think right now is that he may not be available in any case. I think if we were, it'd be interesting right. to see, you know, if he could bring the the type of spark and by the way, hold on to the ball. But Assuming that Roberson's not available, to me, I think it comes down to what's your game plan? Are you are you going to focus on heavy doses of QB run? I think then you see Will Levis until he fumbles the ball or turns the ball over. If you're really trying to get the passing game going, I mean, as as gosh, as tragic as the interceptions have been for Clifford, he really ha- – he has the better passing. He gives us attack. the better chance. He, let's, let's put it this way: the playbook is way more open with Clifford. You know, the yeah. the like he he knows the playbook inside and out compared to. But Will again, Lattis. you get the two interceptions with <laughs> the pick six. Like, dude, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it, it's a tough one. I mean, it, it really it, is. It, it, and you know, the, the what the the bigger picture stuff is like. These guys ain't going anywhere next year. Right. Right. You, and know? With the, you know, with the flip of the coin, too, that we're talking about, and maybe the the deciding factor is, A, who looked better in practice and has a better headspace, or B, maybe it's you go with your team captain and the guy who has the more starting experience. And the other thing is, you got to remember, now, the big house isn't going to be full of fans, but you're right. going on the road, too. Right. So, like, do you trust Will Levis on the road when he uh, has already fumbled three times against a opportunistic Iowa defense? Michigan, uh, just, it's a has, tough call. I, I mean, I think I think I'm starting Sean Clifford in my brain. Interesting, but in my heart, I'm starting Taquan Roberson. Yeah, you know? I mean, quite frankly, as 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 much as Clifford, like you said, opens the playbook for you and things like that, I just feel like I I kind of lost. Faith He's in the guy to put out to pasture, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. It is it is Let a him tough live one. out his days in the pasture. Uh, you know, again, whomever is going out there, I think just do whatever you're going to do. Just don't turn the ball over. And if I you think can I just, have to, yeah, if you yeah, can just, just manage to hang on to the ball, then yeah. throw then, it away, take a sack, don't whatever, fumble it, don't seriously. throw it in an interception. Just can Give we go a whole game ch- yeah. without the quarterback turning the ball over? That I think me- I'm officially on the train of thought that I was wrong about. Mm, I would rather have not seen Penn State play this. Game. <laughs> I, I would rather have seen. I, I was given the the opportunity to say, "Would you, you know, before the season was ever back back on, and we were so distraught over the fact that we weren't going to be able to see any Penn State football." You know, my buddy asked me. If Penn State played three games this year and they lost them all, would would you still want to have a season go on? And I was like, absolutely. I want to see my team play. But here they are now, 0-5, staring down the barrel of 0-8+. And, you know, uh, 
the ramifications of losing more games right now could be utterly, utterly just, uh, just you know, just the worst. Just the, the like for seasons to come, you, the the fallout could be very far reaching. We need to. This is a must win game, and I don't have the confidence in that it's it's gonna happen. I I want it to. I hope I see it. I'm I want the 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 players to play their guts out and play for each other and play for their own pride and play tough football. I want to see tough played football. Well, you know, you said it's a must-win game. I mean, I think every every game from here on out until we – I mean, I think every game is going to feel like a must-win game. It has been. Every game has been a must-win game. You know – Franklin's 1-0 mentality is must-win every game. Right. All that to say, you know, what is it going to take to get to that – win when it's all been must win and, and it will be must win it's it, i don't know and i agree with you it's you know it's 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 getting hard to continue to talk about these te- keys to the game when they're slumping harbaugh team i mean they, oh, they just man. they're up on rutgers that's rutgers if you can't beat michigan like this will slump the team in a way that they will then go on to lose to rutgers I believe that. I believe it's a must-win game in that sense. If we lose this game, we'll lose the rest of the games. That's how I feel. Well, you know, it's never over until it's over. And, you know, a a trend does not uh, predict the future. Um, So, you know, I I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, although I I can appreciate the doom mentality because it definitely feels like, you know, the apocalypse is upon us. Um, It is. you know, as as we're as we're watching. You know, on the other hand, you know, these are real people with who who, for by all accounts, are really doing everything they can to make it happen. And there's stuff going on behind the scenes. You know, maybe I mean, Taraka's showing up even before Franklin at these practices. Apparently, right. yeah, Maybe it's just maybe it's just things getting into alignment just so, and, and we'll see it. You certainly hope so, but. Uh, you know, until we see it, it's it's hard to trust that that we're going to see anything different. Yeah. If we if we see more of the same, we will have to come up with another book uh, called uh, "The Art of Beating a Dead Horse." And you, than and dead. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, than dead. The art of beating a dead horse, <laughs> deader than dead. <laughs> Yeah, I you know i i have I have a thought for um, you know for what the post Michigan podcast might be if uh, oh, if things don't go our way. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna hold on to it until uh, until you're we gonna see what tell happens. me as soon as we stop recording though. Sure, sure, I'll tell Sweet. you. Sweet, <laughs> but um, but I, I don't. You know, speaking of not jinxing things. Um, yeah. So right. uh, I don't believe in that. But um, but but in any case, um, yeah. It, you know, look, it's Thanksgiving week. Okay, it's uh, there's a lot to look forward to outside of football. Um, I hope that every one of our listeners uh, does have some some good coming their way. Uh, whatever Thanksgiving holds uh, for for everyone out there, uh, you know, be safe, be smart, but uh, you know, find some reasons uh, to be grateful for the blessings that you have. Uh, Lord knows the Penn State fans are realizing just how quickly those blessings can seem to uh, evaporate. So you enjoy them while you have them. Also realizing that there are still silver linings to be found. 
James Franklin asked uh, was asked uh, about morale of the team, and he said, "Look, this adversity is a chance to find your why." Um, and uh, you know, I think it's given us a chance as a, as a, a Penn State fan base to find our why. Um, and you know, Tom, it's continued to give us a chance as a, a podcast, the Blue and White Brothers, to find our why. And I'll tell you one of one of the reasons why. The probably the biggest reason why is because it starts with "I love you," and it ends with "I love you." Yeah, man, this has been a blast. Um, one of these days, we'll have a winning game to recap. Uh, it'll maybe it'll be Michigan. It'll be mom- maybe it'll be Michigan. Momentous. Momentous. Momentum. Michigan mashing. <laughs> Michigan mash. All right, uh, I like we'll it. see. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, Saturday, 12 p.m. noon Eastern on ABC. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving, everyone, and we'll talk to you early next week. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 